You know, this is, this is an amazing bit of scripture. Because what, what we, what we get is we get to see not just onto the, are you alright there? Good. We, we, we get to not just see into the mind of Paul and the wrestle that he has, but we get to see into the mind, the, the flesh, the spirit of each one of us. Because actually, even if you've been a Christian for 60 years, there's still a battle going on. Isn't there? Temptation still comes. But again and again and again, in Romans, what we have is, oh, it's terrible. What a wretched man I am. Oh, the seriousness of sin with the amazing wonder of what God has done for us. Who will save me? Thanks be to God. We can't do it by ourselves. We can only do it by trusting Him. Thank you. Give yourselves, all of you, a round of applause. Um, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He set us free from the law of sin and death. We are free, but the battle is still on. We are free, but the battle is a present reality for all of us. And that battle will carry on, that wrestling will carry on until we get to go and be at home with Jesus. Back in Romans chapter 6 verse 1, what then shall we say? Shall we, shall we go on sinning? Paul is having this conversation about, about the nature, the very nature of what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ and to have our sins completely and utterly forgiven. And you know, most of the time, what the church does is we, we, we preach and we teach half a gospel. 
Because actually it's easier to keep people slightly in a place of fear so that they behave than really tell them just how free they are. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Sometimes it's it's less of a struggle. Sometimes you'll you'll win the battles and you'll sail on through and you'll be victorious and you'll be full of hope in your Christian life and and you'll be you'll be winning and you'll be full of peace and it's going to be amazing. And at other times you'll do what I had to do for a season of my working life after I got ordained. Which is I had to have a physical drawer on the other side of my office. You know one of those like Ikea little kind of plywood things with lots of drawers. And one of those drawers was properly labelled as do not do. And I would have to physically write out the things that were distracting me. Idiot things. Stupid, you know, just petty irritations that were distracting me from the presence of the living God. As well as big things. But you know our brains can't tell the difference. And I'd have to physically write them out on a post-it note and walk over to the other side of my office and pull out the drawer and put the post-it note of the thing that I was really trying to decide not to do and put it in the drawer and shut the drawer and go back and sit at my desk and try and write another very holy sermon. You know, whatever it was I was trying to do. And the same thought would come again. It's like, no, post-it note... And then, and then, you know, then you have to write the do not be angry one on and put that one in as well. This stuff, this stuff is not just for baby Christians. This is for people who have been following for decades. This is for people who are full and drenched of the Spirit. How do I know that? I know that because Paul wrote it. And he's telling you how it really is. And sometimes you'll sail on the wind of the Spirit and it'll be so amazing. And at other times you'll wrestle And you'll feel like your mind is governed by the flesh and has become hostile to God. And none of us are immune from that. But the wonder of this passage, the amazing truth, is that it doesn't matter how big the temptations are. Is it doesn't matter how annoying the niggles are. It doesn't matter how far you've fallen. 
It doesn't matter if you're a wretched man or woman. Because Jesus' saving power is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. For you and for me. Whether it's being tempted by a bag of dairy milk chocolates or a marriage wrecker. His grace is the same. His grace is the same. So there's this battle going on between our flesh that has been paid for on the cross and the new creation that God has put in us. And that battle is a live one between the spirit and the flesh. The flesh that's been paid for on the cross. The sinful way of life. And the spirit that is welling up in us. Do you remember Jesus talking with the woman at the well? And he describes the spirit being the spirit that would well up in you to eternal life, overflowing. Everything has been paid for in advance. This is really important for some of you to hear. Everything has been paid for in advance. When, when you, not if, when you mess up, you don't send Jesus back to the cross. He's already paid for what you just did wrong. And for what you will do wrong, and what I just did wrong, and what I will do wrong. He's already paid for it. The deal is not whether or not he's paid for it. It's which world do you want to live in? Do you want to live overwhelmed by the flesh? Or you, as a person who still inhabits a body, do you want to live under the stream of his amazing grace and mercy to you, his spirit being poured out, so that you are a person that's led by the spirit? Even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Verse 10. Righteousness is this free gift of God's grace to you. He clothes you in righteousness, not because of what you've done, but because of what He has done. And so He gives life to our mortal bodies because his spirit is living in us. One little aside. No. Verse 12 instead. There's a really interesting word in here. It's obligation. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. But it is not to the flesh. 
because your sin has been paid for, because you are filled with his Holy Spirit life, you've got a new obligation. You've got a new master. A new friend to follow. You've got a new life call to live up to. And that is to be people that are led by the Spirit. People who are led by the Spirit are children of God. They are heirs. Children of God. People who've been adopted into sonship. But it, but it gets even more amazing than that because we're not just heirs, but we are co-heirs with Christ. All the things that Christ is an heir to because he's a son of the Father, because he went to the cross, because he defeated death, because he sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for us continually. All of that is our inheritance. So when you're in that moment, where do you choose to stand? You know, the reason, the reason for my draw across the other side of the room was because I was wanting to keep on choosing to stand in the place that God had got for me. And it was really tough to do it. And I needed something external to help me. But this is who we are. People who cry, Abba, Father. You know, this message of God's grace is unpopular. It's unpopular because if we really share the message of God's grace, what will people do? You know, and for so long the church has has taught people just enough of God's grace to get them into the kingdom, but for them to be afraid. Afraid continually of the wrath of God who will come and slap them on the back of the hand with a wooden spoon. Or when I was growing up, the threat, the threat was always a hairbrush, actually. I can't actually remember it happening. You know, is this ring bells for anyone? Well, just give us a wave if there was a hairbrush or a wooden spoon in your house. Wooden spoon, yeah, okay. You know, it was a different era. We can forgive them. It's okay. I mean, some of you might need to do that tonight, actually. But, you know, God hasn't got a wooden spoon for you. He's got a cross. And it's what you deserved and what I deserved but instead he sent his son there. And it was once for all. 
a good man on behalf of sinners. So my invitation this evening is simply, where do you want to stand? You know, some of you, some of you probably wrestle with stuff that you may not have even shared with other people in terms of the battle that goes on in your head. You know, the guys that I was working with in Torquay, the battle was quite straightforward, you know. I mean, it was in their head as well, you know, just like it is for us, but the battle was, was pretty straightforward, and if they lost the battle, they'd go and get a bag, and that would be all over for another four or five months until they kind of got desperate enough to come back. The battle's the same. It is the same. And it goes on in each one of us. Where do we want to stand? And when you wake up tomorrow morning and you think you've got another week ahead of you, you might love your work. If you love your work, fantastic. How are you going to go through this coming week? You know, here's the challenge. Tomorrow morning, just look in the mirror and ask yourself, Lord, where, where do I want to stand? Do I want to stand in the flesh? I mean, leave some clothes on. I wasn't, I wasn't. <laughs> it's not helpful. Just a short mirror. <laughs> Go somewhere else. Where do you want to stand? Or do you want to stand in the new man and woman? that God has made you to be sons of the living God even the women sons of the living God because if that's where you choose to stand you'll be able to walk in step with his Holy Spirit it's not that the battle will be straightforward but that's the choice you know and if if this, if this coming week is you know caring for parents And it's hard work because maybe they don't recognize you anymore. Or wrestling with finding a job or being lonely or whatever it might be. You know, the the question is the same. Where are you going to stand? Because if you're willing to simply stand in all that God has made you to be, then you'll know that you can be led by the Spirit for each step for this coming week. You know, it's so simple, isn't it? Yeah, a lifetime to get our heads around.